Father, I thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your consistency. And I thank you that we can trust you in any situation at any time. You care for us. I thank you for the awesome things you have given to us. Father, remind us daily of your greatness, your goodness, and that you love us. In Christ's name, amen. One of the things that I wanted to do this morning was to make sure that you remember those veterans that served in Vietnam. This is Vietnam Veterans Day, and I know we have a couple of men who served in uh, that conflict, and it's important for you to remember them. So if you, if you are around them, you know, give them a high elbow or whatever we do during these times. I don't know that we can actually you know, do the high five thing, but that's where we're at. I wanted also this morning to share a little funny story that I have told some about a recent trip to Chicago. Because we're doing this technological thing, we live in such a technological time, and tech is all around us. And so I was visiting my daughter in Chicago, and I'm at an intersection, and a bicyclist comes up, and he's got his hands on the handlebars. That's not so strange, and that's not that much of a technological kind of thing. And then I noticed something very technologically different. We, you know, when I use my cell phone, I hold it up to the side of my head, and I speak into it just like that, right? Well, this gentleman was doing the same thing, only his high-tech solution for hands-free bicycle riding was a piece of duct tape that went all the way around his head and taped that phone to the side of his head. It was fabulous. I nearly lost control of my rental because I wanted to get a picture of it, and I couldn't do it quick enough. High tech. God even knows where we're at with high tech. We are living through very traumatic times because of this pandemic. And there are fears, and there's, there's confusion, and there's lots of unknowns. The Bible illustrates to us in many places that life can be very difficult. Here's a couple examples. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 8.22, Then they will look to the earth and behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. Sounds kind of bleak. And Jesus said this. We find it in John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. These are difficult times. Jesus used the term tribulation. I'm using a term this morning, calamity. I think that that helps us to understand the times that we're in. And when calamities occur, there is always questions in our minds. One of those questions would be, why would a loving God allow this? I've heard this the entire time I've been in ministry. Why? That's a difficult question. And answering the question of why requires us to take some things into account and be very honest about what we take into account. One of those, if not the most important one, is that God's nature cannot change. Everything about God remains exactly the same. 
and every attribute of God must be taken equally. One attribute is not greater than another. We can't look at God and think, oh, he is so loving, and lower his requirements for justice. It doesn't work that way. He is perfectly loving. At the exact time, he is perfectly executing his justice. And sometimes he demonstrates that by perfectly loving at exactly the same time, he's demonstrating his wrath. God has a total understanding of everything possible. We have to take that into account if we're going to answer the question of why. He knows everything possible to be known, past, present, and future. He is not surprised by anything that happens. He controls and manages everything that exists. We struggle with that. That's hard for us to grasp. God is totally in control. Calamities of even this kind that we're in. It doesn't matter what kind the calamity might be. They remain within the framework of God's will. Nothing is out of His control. That brings up some difficult questions. Because does that mean that God does bad things? That could be a long set of sermons to investigate. What we need to understand this morning, where I want us to focus, is that God is totally and completely in control. None of this pandemic has surprised Him. We also can look at the Word of God, especially in the Old Testament, and see that terrible events were very often and usually associated with judgment. And God would give Words He would speak to his prophets and give them a warning for the people. And he would call the people to repent. And when repentance did not occur, God's wrath would fall. And we would see terrible things and people would describe them as a calamity, a, a, a traumatic thing happening. Another part of answering the question why is to remember that God is perfect in his holiness. He is perfectly just because of his holiness. And he will execute his judgment perfectly. When trials, tribulations, when calamities occur, we should realize God's absolute purity, perfection, and righteousness demands justice. But we also know that he's also perfectly loving and full of perfect grace and mercy. There are many ways that this answer to why can be pursued. There are several authors who have tried to answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And there's actually a very simple answer. There are no good people. That's the simple answer. And it's really the truth. There are no good people. We are all sinners. We don't measure up to God's standard of righteousness. Paul states this very clearly in Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jew and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, 
Not even one. The reality is that humans are deeply flawed because of the sin nature passed down through all generations from Adam and Eve. Because of our inherited sin nature, we are incompatible with God's perfect nature. Humans are finite and cannot comprehend the incalculable, infinite complexities of the mind of God. And I might add that it, it isn't just that, that sin affects human beings. The sin of Adam and Eve affected all of creation as well. We look at a beautiful sunset, we look at a, a snowflake, we look at the animals and all the things that God has made, and we need to understand they are all affected by sin as well. In a way, everything, even though it's so glorious, is broken. There's no way humanly possible to understand the reason why God does what He does. And it's impossible for us to know the future. We might have a pretty good idea of what we're going to do this afternoon. I know that when I go home, I'm going to have lunch with my, my wife and my daughter. I think... But we don't really know. We have no way of knowing that. God already knows. God is infinitely complex. He tells us exactly what things are most important to know. Even though in His complexity and His, his total difference from us, He still gives to us information that we need to know. There's a psalm. I love this psalm. Because it helps us with this concept. I'm going to read to you Psalm 103. I thought some of just trying to break this down to make it shorter. But listen to this psalm and think about who God is and what He is doing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion? Who satisfies your years with good things? So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He Himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. 
and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Thank you for your word. I believe that what we gather from places like this one in Scripture is that what is most important is God is perfect, holy, and powerful, and we can trust Him. In this time of turmoil, we want to understand why this has disrupted our entire world. But God says, I am greater than all this turmoil. I am in control and understanding why is beyond your ability and it's not something that you need to be concerned with. There are things that God wants us to know. There are some things that God wants us to have a very good and clear understanding about. What things are those? Well, here's a few. God wants us to know He works everything according to His will. Ephesians 1.11 Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. And Paul wrote in Romans 8.28 And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. It's all God's. Everything in the universe is under His control and functions according to His will. God manages and controls absolutely everything. He is absolutely sovereign. And if you truly belong to Him, everything works to your good. This is hard for us sometimes because that puts us in a difficult place when we think about our choices and all that. And I understand that. The reality is we cannot lessen who God is. We cannot diminish the fact about God. He is sovereign. The reality of this is that God doesn't need then to explain to us what he does. Are we okay with that? I mean, God really doesn't need to come to us and say, I just wanted to, to have you check this out. Are you okay if I do this? He doesn't need to do that. He's God. And He's totally sovereign. Another thing that God wants us to know is that everything is ultimately for His glory. Everything God does Everything that we would call His will, or everything that He allows within His will, ultimately comes to a place of bringing Him glory. He accomplishes all the things in our world for His glory. Everything is so that He receives the greatest glory. Ultimately, there isn't anything more important than God's glory. 
God also gives us some information about calamities and what He does with us in calamities. He, he does this in, in Scripture. One of the things that He does in calamities is that He tests our faith, our faith in Him. God already knows the faith in our hearts. He already knows exactly how much faith you have. So it's not that he's testing our faith so that he will know what our faith is. The test is so that we will know what our faith is. So that we have a way of evaluating honestly the the faith that we have in our heart. As the coronavirus pandemic continues, we can evaluate our faith in a very unique way. This is scriptural. This is, this is how God wants us to deal with calamities of any kind. How do we evaluate our faith in this? By recognizing how we rejoice in our circumstances. That's a tough one. That is hard for us to do. But we find this in a couple of different places. James is one of them. But I like this one this morning from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ." If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God is proving to you that you have faith that glorifies Him. He does that in calamities. Trials, calamities, prove the validity of our faith. When we are the most comfortable in our circumstances, it is our fallen human nature to not trust God. God wants our whole heart. He wants all of us. Sometimes the calamities come into our life so that we recognize again as believers, it's all about Him. Another thing that God does in calamities is to humble us. And this is a little bit related to the first one. The severe test of a trial will cause believers to cry out to God for more strength. As we walk through any kind of calamity in our life, we, we call out to God, and sometimes it might be a, a simple prayer like I shared last week. Oh God, oh God, oh God. And sometimes we can be very real with God. I just don't know what to do. Help me. There have been times in my life where I've, I've cried out to God and just said, God, forgive me for my lack of faith. Give me more faith. I need your help even in having faith. One of the examples that I've always cherished in the Word of God that helps me understand this concept is Paul's struggle with the thorn of, of the, the, excuse me, the thorn in his flesh. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a good illustration for how God humbles us in trials. I'm going to begin in verse 7. 2 Corinthians 12. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, 
to keep me from exalting myself. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. It's not about my trouble. It's not about the calamity. It's about the greatness and the power and the sovereignty and the glory of God. Because of what God was doing through Paul, all of the words that he was teaching and all of the churches he was establishing, all of that ministry that we know Paul was involved with, pride could have been a huge factor and a great reality in Paul's life. Sending Paul a calamity, a thorn is what Paul describes it as. God kept Paul humble And in that humility, Paul relied totally on God. And God then ultimately received the glory. And that's so amazing in Paul's life. Another thing that God does in trials, and it also overlaps and is related to the first two, is that he transforms our love for earthly things to... A love of heavenly things. We are so comfortable, especially in this country. We have so much. God wants us to not be focused on what we have here. He wants us to be focused on Him and what we have in heaven. Paul writes this, In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. As you go through this calamity of this pandemic, is that where your thinking is? Are you thinking heavenly? I'm thinking about the heavenly kingdom. Or are you thinking about whether or not you have enough toilet paper? That's kind of weird. We begin to reduce things down to what's most important. And the reality is the things here on this planet in this life are not what's most important. We live in an extremely wealthy culture. It's easy for our life to be centered around earthly things. And I have to make sure that we understand Not all earthly things that I'm referring to are material things. Earthly things can include immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, along with anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech, and lying. Those are earthly things. The Bible then also gives to us descriptions of what are heavenly things. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, 
patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, just as the Lord forgave us in the first place. What God is doing is he's helping us, he's giving us strength and courage to give up our lust for the things of this world for more of Christ, for more of the things of heaven, to be focused on the kingdom of God. In Colossians 3, verse 16, Paul wrote, Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. This relates back to our first lesson that God has in a calamity. Can we rejoice in it? Can we sing? Can we praise God in the middle of this? Another thing that God does in calamities is to remind us and reinforce what we have coming, that heavenly future that he has promised. Think carefully about these words that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's encouraging. The believer is to be focused on heaven, the things of God's kingdom, even while in the pain of troubles and calamities. How we respond to any trial is directly linked to our passion for eternal rewards in God's coming kingdom. God is in control. God never lies. His promises will come to pass. His kingdom will come. And as believers, we will be with him for all of eternity. Wow. A few days of a pandemic don't come close to comparing. God uses calamities and trials then to change our focus from the world to the glorious life in God's presence in heaven. That's what he's promised us who believe. There's another thing that God does in calamities, and that is to reveal the truth about what we love. In difficult times, whatever the trial, whatever the the calamity What we really love, what's really deep inside of us that we care for becomes apparent. A fantastic example of this is Abraham. Abraham was promised a son by God and Isaac was to be that son of promise and and Isaac was deeply loved by his father. Abraham loved Isaac But God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Do you remember that story? 
Genesis 22.10, Abraham stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. So Abraham has taken his, his greatest love and gone to, to the mountain that God called him to go to and he, and he makes an altar and he, he, he lays his son upon the altar and he raises the knife. Verse 11, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Even in the depth of love that Abraham had, For his son Isaac, his love for God was greater. And his love for God is is seen in his response, his obedience. It's demonstrated in his willingness to sacrifice his son. What you really love becomes clear when you are in the greatest distress. Believers rejoice in trials because we trust God and know He is working things for His purpose and glory. And ultimately, that means if we're believers and in Him, that's for our good. I want to finish with one other thing that God does in times of trial. And that is that He enables and motivates us to help others. As believers in particular, we are God's hands and feet here on the earth. He leaves us here for a purpose. We're to be His help to others. We are to help people through calamities. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says, Who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. God gives us comfort. God gives us His kingdom. God gives us everything. Our response is to then go out into the world as His hands and feet and comfort those who are struggling. When calamities separate us from our comfortable lives, we can see more easily the plight of others and the discomfort that some are in. The question that this raises for us is, do we love ourselves or do we love God and other people? If we love other people, then we're demonstrating our love for God. We as believers are to be shining lights in all the darkness, confusion, and anxiety of these days. We belong to God. His followers. That's what we declare that we are. The world will see God in us when we care for the needs of others. This is an important part of who we are and and who we are to be in Christ in a calamity. 
I urge you then as fellow believers to glorify God and rejoice in God in these difficult times by demonstrating God's love, demonstrating who we are in Christ, rejoicing even in the calamity, knowing God is in control and can be trusted. I ask this morning that even even in the restrictions that we have because of the pandemic, that you go and be a shining light in the midst of this pandemic, that you demonstrate that you love God by loving others so that God will be glorified. Sometimes right now, that may be just calling a few people up. Maybe you, you get a conversation going on FaceTime or Facebook or all the other technological things we have available. What can you do? Somebody you know needs to be encouraged. Somebody that you know needs to also see the glorious grace and mercy and love that we have in Christ. As the musicians come back I'd like for us to pray that we would be used by God in this time. That we would, we would be seen and heard as people of the living God, as followers of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each person who is watching this right now and anyone in anywhere in the world who calls you by your name, the great I am. I thank you, Father God, that you have entered into this relationship with us because of the blood of your Son. And I ask, Father God, that you would use us in mighty ways, that even in this calamity, we would see you demonstrate your love and your mercy and your grace that we would also be encouraged and, and rejoice that you are sovereign and that you're in control and you are good and great and mighty. I ask, Father God, that the world around us would look at us as believers and wonder what in the world do they have because I want it. Thank you, Father God, that our future is secure. I thank you, Father God, that you have a place in heaven waiting for those who believe. And I thank you, Father God, that nothing here on this planet compares to your glory and your kingdom. May you be glorified, honored, and lifted up in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.